Our Old Testament reading this morning is from 2 Kings 5, 19b through 27. This is not in the lectionary. I went off lectionary, and I'll explain why shortly. Listen for the word of God. But when Naaman had gone from Elisha a short distance, Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, the man of God, thought, My master has let that Aramean Naaman off too lightly by not accepting from him what he offered. As the God of Elisha lives, I will run after him and get something out of him. So Gehazi went after Naaman. When Naaman saw someone running after him, he jumped down from the chariot to meet him and said, Is everything all right? He replied, Yes, but but my master has sent me to say, Two members of a company of prophets have just come to me from the hill country of Ephraim. Please give them a talent of silver and two changes of clothing. Naaman said, please accept two talents. He urged him and tied up two talents of silver in two bags with two changes of clothing and gave them to two of his servants who carried them in front of Gehazi. When he came to the citadel, he took the bags from them and stored them inside. He dismissed the men, and they left. He went in and stood before his master, and Elisha said to him, Where have you been, Gehazi? He answered him, Your servant has not gone anywhere at all. But he said to him, Did I not go with you in spirit when someone left his chariot to meet you? Is this a time to accept money and to accept clothing? olive orchards and vineyards, sheep and oxen, male and female slaves. Therefore, the leprosy of Naaman shall cling to you and to your descendants forever. So he left Elijah's pre- Elisha's presence leprous, as white as snow. This is the word of God for the people of God. Let's pray. Gracious God, help us to hear your word to us this morning and to do as you call us to do. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. My sermon title this morning is, Where is God's Justice? And it is based on our Tuesday morning Bible study. We got to 2 Kings. I'm sorry, that's not right. It's from the psalm, and I thought I put the psalm in there. Oh, it's right at the end. I, put, I moved it to the end. The line from the psalm that says, Mighty king, lover of justice, you've established equity and you've executed justice and righteousness in Jacob. Perhaps you've accidentally found your way to listening to the news this past week or the week before or, you know, at any point, anything happening in the news has leaked out to you. Reading that verse on Tuesday felt like a punch in the gut because it doesn't sound right. It doesn't feel like God has established equity or executed justice or righteousness, particularly in Israel right now. It doesn't, it doesn't feel that way. It doesn't feel just. And I actually, um, I was looking at it again and and I wrote in my, in my notes on my piece of paper, I wrote, where is that justice today? And immediately, I knew the answer. Immediately. 
and I wrote down, it was on the cross. God's justice is on the cross. And the more I thought about it, I came in on Thursday and I wrote down, preach the Naaman sermon. We'll circle back to God's justice is on the cross because that'll make more sense once we do the Naaman sermon. Um, the Naaman sermon. I was having, I was doing devotions. Actually, it was more than a year ago. And the Naaman story bothered me. Uh, for the two of you who may not be familiar with it, perhaps watching online, the Naaman story uh, is about an Aramean general named Naaman who his country was invading Israel and taking money from them and taking their stuff, enslaving their people, and just generally causing harm. And he managed to contract himself some leprosy. And at the time, he had a Hebrew girl who, his, who he had enslaved. And she said, you know, I just wish... I just wish you were in Israel because there's a prophet there who'd be able to heal you. And Naaman, having tried all the doctors, said, we're going to go check this out. So he goes to the king. The king gets a letter for him, sends him to Israel to get to the prophet. And so uh, Naaman and his entourage march up to the king of Israel and give him the letter from the king of, Ar the king of Aram and says, here, you need to heal me of leprosy. And the king's like, I need to what now? When did I get the power to heal leprosy? Uh, and, and Elijah, or sorry, Elisha, they really shouldn't have names so close together. Elisha sends, uh, Elisha sends a messenger to the king to say, hey, I, I got this. Send him to me. And uh, Naaman comes to the door of Elisha where he is met, not by the man of God, but by Gehazi, his servant. And he says, my master says this, go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River and you'll be made clean. Naaman is, I'm going to say furious. The word I want to use probably wouldn't go over well in church. Naaman is angry because the man of God didn't even bother to come to the door and wave his hands and say magic words. He just sent him to the Jordan. He didn't even come to the door himself. And his servants sort of talk him down and they say, look, if the man of God had asked you to do something hard, you would have done that, right? If they'd ask you to go fight somebody, this is easy. Just, just go, go dip yourself in the Jordan. So he goes, he dips himself seven times, and he's cured. He asks himself before this, there are rivers in Damascus, aren't there? They're better rivers, and they're cleaner rivers. I couldn't have bathed in one of them? No, he couldn't, and we'll see why in a minute. He comes back to Elisha, and he wants to give him a bunch of stuff, and Elisha says no. Elisha says, I will not take anything from you. And then in the passage today, um, Gehazi chases after him and tries to get some of the stuff, not for, not for my master Elisha, but, but for, 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 for two other people who, who have just come surprisingly, and we don't have anything to give them, and we need to be hospitable, don't we? And when you're a kid hearing this story, as I was the first time, it seems fine. 
You go, oh yeah, that's just how the story happens. But Elisha says, don't you realize I was there when Naaman stepped down from his chariot to meet you? Is this the time to receive gifts? Because you've done this, you and your descendants will suffer from Naaman's leprosy forever. By show of hands, who thinks that sounds fair? Nobody. Nobody thinks that's fair. I read this and it, it made me mad. I was just like, what is happening here? At the time, I had watched a uh, TikTok video by a uh, nonprofit guy uh, named Jamil Cannon, who works in, I believe it's Chicago. And he's talking about his youth development organization he runs. Uh, he said, the best way to get funded as a youth development organization is not through your results. It's through sending cultural dog whistles to wealthy donors. A dog whistle that says, the main problem with black and brown kids is they're not more like white kids. Here's our program to fix that. We're going to cut off their dreadlocks and teach them standard English. You can find a parallel for that in every nonprofit field. Hospital executives making a million dollars a year and don't support healthcare for all. Nonprofits that deal with homelessness and think the cure for education, uh, I think it's homelessness, is character education and not affordable housing or free housing. This is an industry driven by donors who benefit from the status quo and enabled by nonprofits that don't challenge them. Nonprofits that are complicit with the problems they aim to solve get rewarded with dollars. That's a scam. And then it made sense. Naaman's leprosy is his participation in a system that enriches him at the expense of the people that he's caused harm to. Naaman's leprosy is his participation in the system that enriches him at the expense of people he's caused harm to, and it can't be cured by that system. Elisha's point in refusing Naaman's money is that Naaman's money, Naaman's wealth earned by taking the lives and livelihood of other people, that is his leprosy. That money is blood money, and him accepting it would make him a participant in the victimization of his own people, and it would validate Naaman's wicked actions. He could tell the story as, I did evil deeds, I got money for him, I got leprosy, and I paid some of the money that I got for my evil deeds to the man of God, and now I don't have leprosy. That's why he has to wash in the Jordan. Naaman imagines he's going to have to do something hard, that he's going to have to continue in the system that caused harm, but instead the only way of salvation for him is to humble himself and go outside the system that he believes in. It can't be washed off in the better rivers of Damascus. And do you know why? Because Damascus is the source of the harm. And Jerusalem, the Jordan, is the location of the harm. Israel crosses the Jordan, they get baptized in the Jordan, and the only way Naaman can be healed is by going into the Jordan seven times, because a ritual bath is part of conversion to Judaism. 
By identifying with Israel, when he leaves the water, his conversion to the people that he's been oppressing is complete. Shown by his choosing to worship their God, the God of the people he's oppressing. Can you imagine? If you're, if you're Aramean and you've been conquering and you have Israel in a vassal state, what does that mean about your God's strength compared to their God's strength? It means your God is stronger. Oh my goodness, strep. It means that your God is stronger than their God. And yet... Naaman says to Elisha, I will worship your God from here on out. Naaman thinks his problems can be solved by violence, by the money that he got from violence, but his leprosy is his violence, and he can't get out of it by using the tools that are causing the harm in the first place. He's trying to use leprosy to cure the leprosy by pouring more leprosy onto it, and Elisha says the only way to cure it is by ending doing the harm by ceasing to identify as an oppressor and instead identify with the people he's oppressing. He has to become the people that he's causing harm to. With that interpretation in mind, what happened to Gehazi? Well, Gehazi just undid the whole thing. Gehazi went out and said... Actually, on second thought, the man of God says it's fine for you to keep your identity as oppressor. Your money, he said your money isn't good here. Your money actually is good here. It's fine. Um, your violence did do something useful. It is acceptable currency to exchange for your healing. You may not be able to cure leprosy with leprosy, but once you've cured leprosy by identifying with the oppressed, it's okay to pay for that cure with more leprosy. He becomes a participant in Naaman's leprosy and to some extent gives that leprosy back to Naaman and it attaches itself to him. Psalm 99. Mighty king, lover of justice, you've established equity, you've executed justice and righteousness in Jacob. How? On the cross. What happens in the Naaman story is that someone who's powerful identifies with the weak. And that is what happens on the cross. That is how God's justice is enacted on the cross. God identifies with the oppressed. God identifies with our weakness. So when a hospital in Gaza gets bombed, God is there. Whatsoever you do to the least of these, you did to me. When you shut off water to an entire city to punish its government, you're shutting off water to Jesus. Jesus says on the cross, I thirst. When peacemakers get kidnapped, God is among them. Jesus is among them. Unlike Naaman, Jesus, God does not need coercion to join us down here in the dirt. God joins us because God loves us. On the cross, God once for all forever identifies with the victims. 
on the cross, God judges not just the system that put Jesus on the cross in 30 AD, but every system that puts Jesus to suffering in every age, in all of his disguises. God judges evil by laying down God's arms and demanding that when we find ourselves on the oppressive side of the equation, we must look into the eyes of the person that we are hurting, who we think of as less valuable than we are, until we see Jesus. Behind the eyes of every person we saw as collateral damage, Jesus is there. Because God identifies with the oppressed. God identifies with the people who are down on their luck, with the people who are homeless and hurting, whose houses bombs have converted into holes, who have nowhere else to go. Have y'all read Night by Ellie Wiesel? Horrifying book. Um, it's a book about a kid who was a teenager uh, during the Holocaust. I need to speak up, don't I? Kid who was a teenager during the Holocaust, and he tells the story in this book of three people being hanged, one of them just a very young boy, and everyone in the concentration camp was made to walk by and look and see what had been done to them, what the Nazi soldiers had done. And he said, I heard a man behind me. I have not read Night since I was in college, and this picture stuck with me. He said, I heard a man from behind me say, where is God? And I heard a voice inside myself say, God is there on that gallows. Elie was not a Christian. He was barely a religious Jew, but this is such a profound, I would argue, Christian insight that God is there on that gallows. That is the location of God. God is the one experiencing oppression. That is where we find God. If you see harm happening, the person being harmed, that is where God is. On the cross, God put God's self in harm's way. Every person who's ever experienced suffering and harm from others. The irony, and I didn't have this in my notes, but the total irony of this is um, what the Nazi soldiers had. I think it was on their belt. Gott mit uns. God is with us. No. God was not with them. God was with the people that they were causing harm to. God is always with the people who are being caused harm. Let's pray. Gracious God, thank you for identifying with the weak, with those who are being oppressed and hurt. We pray that we will join you there, that we will that we will see that our neighbors are the people who are under the boots. We pray that we will do as you call us to do, that we will treat you right. 
We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.